you need to come back home with a hard drive of footage. And you need an actor. You're, everybody's here. Everybody's geared up. Find an actor. And suddenly, I find myself in this turmoil of, of zooming with our option C and D from two years ago. Flying them in. And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a character study film being given. But I'm like, you know, at some point, I told, I told my producer we had a big fight. I told him, look, it took me eight years to make this. It'll take nine years then. I'm not shooting this without Josh. He's the guy. Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms. From inside the mind, to the far reaches of the universe. This is Neurons to Nirvana. The 29th annual Austin Film Festival brought an eight-day, uninhibited, authentic exploration of creative community. It was a conference for like-minded creators and an excellent opportunity to view new independent films. I love discovering new movies and hearing filmmakers and screenwriters tell their stories about the entire film process. I love hearing about casting decisions, location challenges, and how actors improvised from the pages of their work. I had the opportunity to sit down with the director of the film, Checkout, Jonathan Diekel, for a great conversation on his filmmaking process, how to cross cultural barriers within a single movie, and how Checkout was inspired by true Mossad stories. Checkout is a great ensemble cast of actors from all over the world, but the film follows Dove, played by Josh Pice, and shows a desperate Mossad spy who is forced to retire yet decides to go rogue in a wonderfully unique and clever way. I don't want to give too much of the story away, but I will say this. This is a must-see film and fantastic. Also, I decided to introduce myself to Jonathan after the Q&A and hearing that it took eight years to make the film, and indeed, it was his labor of love. Let's jump in with Jonathan Diekel. Jonathan, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? How have you been liking uh, your stay here in Austin? It's been, it's been very... Dense. I didn't think I'll be away from home for eight days, just uh, grinding the festival. It's been a great, um, we've had a great world premiere. People are really friendly. I didn't think Texas is, um, I guess people keep telling me, no, it's Austin. It's not really Texas, but um, <laughs> I'm loving right. it. I'm loving it. Yeah, that's why I moved here. Uh, Austin is a very, it's a bastion of creativity for creativity, progressive thinking, the whole great musicians, everything. It's been amazing. I'm really happy to be here. Well, I'm glad that we met. And uh, I was there last night for the screening. And uh, the reason why I came is because the staff of the Austin Film Festival chose it as one of their top picks. And uh, so with that criteria, I said, and then I read it, of course, the and the plot, and it seemed fascinating. So you... Or were born in Israel. I was born in the States. In the States, I was okay. born, but I grew up in Israel. I was I, I was born in LA, and two uh, two years I went back to Israel. That's where my parents are from. That's where I grew up, and then I came back here to LA um, at the age of fourteen for for high school, ninth to twelfth grade. What was that like? That was a very complex experience. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, you know, I have two bro younger brothers and uh, they each had it easier as they get younger. So my, my, the youngest guy, he was just, he came in for elementary school, very easy to assimilate. Mm -hmm. The the, uh, the medium brother was junior high, so a bit harder. And for high school, I think it was the, the hardest for me to uh, assimilate to a, to a L.A. public high school in the Valley. It was... Um, it was tough. It was very, very tough. Also because I was, I missed a lot of my friends and uh, and then my parents. It was a startup company. They thought we were only gonna be here for two years. Ended up being four. But I think only now, pushing forty, do I actually understand 
the the gifts that that those years gave me, let alone great friends that are still um, accompanying me in my life, um, but also the skill set that. A kid at 14 is being parachuted into a brand new country and etiquette in society. And yeah, I think it gave me a lot of um, a lot of positive empowerment into knowing that I can land my feet wherever. But it was complex. Yeah. Well, high school is complex. High I, feel, com I feel like anywhere, but... Of course. <laughs> no, you're right. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're uh, right. God knows what, what, I, what was my bone to pick. Should I have stayed in Israel? I'd find something. Right. So tell me, when did you find your love and passion for film? Was it when you moved to L.A., back to L.A., or prior, when you were a little boy? Um, so my, my parents were always creatives. Mm -hmm. um, my father is a musician and entrepreneur and uh, always has ideas for, for, for companies and different initiatives. And my mom was a psychologist, but really a burgeoning uh, sculptress herself. Um, so art was always in the in the household, and I think the first time I actually I always liked writing like creative writing for in my school. Um, we had in Israel we 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 have Bible uh, Bible class, uh, so you go through the Old Testament growing up, and uh, I remember writing my first kind of interpretation of what it'd be like to the, you know, the book of Samuel and all these things that I'd read in class, which is kind of these modern retellings of Bible stories. So I always had a knack for, for the creative stuff, but I think for filmmaking, I think it was my bar mitzvah movie that my dad kind of like, okay, we're doing <laughs> really? a bar mitzvah movie. Yeah. And they started off, he kicked off the tradition of, uh, of getting a camera. Those days you had to rent a big camera, a shoulder cam, and uh, we wrote a script together. It was a trip. It was a trip. I think it's, it's where I realized, uh, you know, Coppola's uh, quote of saying that, you know why he loves the directing? Why Francis Ford Coppola says he loves directing? It's the only job you'll do? Because it's the last legal dictatorship allowed. <laughs> so no, That could be true. <laughs> so, could be true, yeah. So for a 13-year-old to get complete control of the set and try to move his parents around and his brothers around, who normally would just kick me off, just <laughs> get the hell out of here. Suddenly, for a day, I was like, I can, me and my dad really made it all happen. And uh, ever since then, he just kind of, he gave me a camera for 16, when I was 16. And uh, that was also a great step. And then I made my first movies with with Ohad, my buddy here, and, and, and a bunch of other guys in, in the Israeli community in, in, in L.A. We made a knockoff of American Pie. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was a first parody film. We called it Israeli Chunt. Oh, nice. Chunt is this uh, Jewish dish. Yeah. Uh, so you can imagine what, what I end up doing with that Jewish dish. Um, it's an American <laughs> Pie parody. Um, but it was it was also great uh, great fun just to have I don't know where we had the, the audacity. It's just like I mean we're virgins in high school. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, we're just kind of like facing the 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 burden of our virginities and, and kind of funneling into into uh, a creative endeavor. It was great fun. Uh, my first directing gig. Odd's first acting gig. And then again, another movie afterwards, a, a musical. And um, But I think I really kind of nailed it saying, okay, this is what I want to do. Because when I was in the army and I've been, it feels like I've been preparing my whole life for, you know, from um, uh, Israelis, the military experience is, is, is adjacent to the college experience here. You gear up towards it. This is where you meet all your best friends for life. And um, you want to get into the best place because it really affects your... Uh, it, it, it's truly yeah. it's truly something that, that really reverberates throughout your older life in Israel. So in that sense, I think that I was geared up to always really be the best I can be. And I got into a great place. It was like, I guess, a, an Ivy League uh, equivalent in the army uh, uh, ranking system. But I, and I, I trained, I ran, and I kept my, my watch on Israeli time as I was growing up here in high school. And I was really into shape. And my dad was a big army guy. And, 
And then when I got there, I, 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 felt, I, 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 I felt the harsh reckoning of realizing that I'm not a good soldier. Why is that? I think I, I wasn't good with authority. Me neither. Yeah? <laughs> no. That's why I didn't join the army here in the States. Sure. I get it. It's, 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 so it's mandatory in Israel. Even though I volunteered, I came back especially for it. But still, it was like, it, it really kind of like, it was, it was, it was jerry-rigging the expectation system that I had. I, I knew I was going to be the best. And suddenly, I'm with very sharp people. Uh, and I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm strong physically. So it helped me carry them around as we were trekking and stuff. But like trying to make decisions and, 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 and following orders. And I didn't really get it. And as we were doing some operational activity, which was really like the reason that we came to do what we do, all I could think about was I want to survive this so I can make a movie about it. Nice. So, you know, I find myself being debriefed before going into my first real thing. And all I can think about is the way his lisp is funny. And I want to have that exact guy and he should play himself. And I was just, and that's where I met uh, Shai, my co-writer. And he was a team older than me. He was a team above me. And uh, and all we could do, we started passing notes in the in the auditorium hall as some serious discussions are happening, we're just kind of like just riffing jokes between each other and passing it. Pass it to him. Pass it again <laughs> back. Oh, that's funny. We should do that. And we started... Um, so, And then we just did skits. We just did uh, these these really funny end-of-project skits. Everybody would get back. It was a big uh, hurrah. But I wasn't involved at all in the conclusions and all the, you know, bringing back the gear. I was. They, they let me go. Like, you make the movie. <laughs> And right. then I realized that, first of all, it's something that I'm good at. Um, and it gave me a lot of sense of uh, value in a, in a place where I didn't find any. And that kind of ties into Dove, the protagonist of, of Cheka. We'll get into that in a second. But in a, in, in like you're in the special forces and, and you feel anything but special. You were you in the special forces yes. in a major, correct? Correct, yes. yes. Uh, I was a captain by that time, but I'm a, I'm a major now in the reserve, but still an officer. And you feel like a peony, just a big system, and, and you you kind of work your you, you you do the grind. And um, I mean, the the one liner, if 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 I were to tell you what we did in that year, that like, oh, that sounds amazing. And yet, all I can think about is just making a movie about it. So that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> And when was the genesis? So you got out of your service, and then you, what, as soon as you got out, you said, I've got to write a movie or a script for this? Or how did it? So I, I went to film school. I went, uh, uh, I took a year off. I traveled the, the country, the world. I, I signed up for, for the Sam Spiegel School in Jerusalem, which is a great, uh, um, it's 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 almost an extension an extension of the army. It's another five years, very intense, very boot campy in that sense. But always no degree, just learn how to make films. And as you're making a film, you're always think I'm always thinking, what's the next step? And and when I had to find the nucleus for a full feature film, I found the story of 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 Dove, this. I mean, of this man who feel, who's who just wants to to feel like he's worth a damn, because don't we all? Sure. Also, the American hybrid with American Jews and, and Israeli Jews, it's kind of ties into the the my ecosystem as well. So, yeah, that we started writing. It took us eight years to get here. So you started writing the script, what, literally eight years ago, or has it been? A I think so. Long yeah, ago? literally eight years ago. I mean, the first draft was. Yeah, 2014, 2015. And did you always picture Dov to be an American in the Mossad? Was that so the, the original first, idea? No, I think the first idea was, look, it's a dark Mossad comedy. And as we were in the army, we, we met a lot of, in the periphery, a lot of people from other security organizations. Mm-hmm. And Mossad was one of them. And, and that feeling of feeling so unaccomplished, regardless of how great of things you're doing, is something that I was very surprised to reverberate within 
the colleagues in that organization. Suddenly, I'm a soldier. I'm a young guy, 22. Ah, everybody's, it's all bullshit. They don't appreciate me. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, you see that in like 40 and 50-year-old spies. And like, huh. And that, that, that was interesting. That was like, okay. Suddenly, I can, I can, I can extend this character to someone who's, who's at the end of the road. And I was experiencing a lot of crises in, in my service because I thought at some point that I, I might not get to, to do anything and maybe I'll just be a bench player. But then I ended up getting in the roster. And it's all these things that when you're a kid, this is everything. I, there's no way I can leave the army without getting a notch on my belt. But then when you see someone in his 50s saying that, that was a real mindfuck. And I, yeah, I was, for sure. <laughs> I was like, wow, you're just a kid like me. And so we crafted this story about a spy who is at the edge of retirement and all he wants is to just fulfill himself and get recognized and get into the pantheon of, of his organization. Everybody back home thinks that He's doing this amazing thing. He's abroad a lot, and they're all picturing him. And we've heard this from dozens of combatants in the Mossad that we've interviewed. And everybody back home thinks we're flying around and, and with silenced guns in, in, in you know, in, 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 in coupe uh, car races in Monaco. But the work is really droll and mundane. It's intelligence work. It's not like James Bond. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not. It's very thorough. The first time we saw, we met a spy, uh, I think one of our first conversations, and we told him, look, we were in the special forces. We want to make, and he, he says, uh, don't make a spy movie. Please don't make a spy movie. Like, how come? What are you talking about? We love spy movies, but this is going to be the first. He says, no. When I see spy movies and us with everybody in the organization, when you see spy it's 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 not credible. James Bond, when every time he orders a martini, <laughs> he never asks for a receipt. Who's going to reimburse? That's true. <laughs> who's going to reimburse him for that? Right. So that was the moment Checkout was born. Like, okay, we want to make a movie about the spy who's kind of like sitting there in his patheticness and and trying to get a receipt and trying. And what happens when he's just looking and in the day he's order to check out and go back to his pension in, in, in back home, that day that he checks out, Mossad's number one target checks in. That's right. And that's what happens in the movie. And that's what, that was the, the, the premise. And at first, he wasn't American. At first, Dove was an Israeli. They really wanted to belong. And he was like this beta male among all these alphas. <laughs> but then two things happened. Um, I had amazing actors that really wanted to do it. And it's always heartbreaking in, this, in these kind of projects to go a ways with someone and then farewell. Right. It's always heartbreaking in that sense. But again, uh, um, we we, tossed some, we shot some footage even with both of them. But then I really, at first I, I wanted a real alpha male and we shot some footage. And then we wanted a, re, a real beta. And then we realized, I met with... Um, this film got got accepted to uh, the Sundance Screenwriters Lab and then the Jerusalem uh, International Script Lab. These were great, great um, experiences for, for a movie. You always have something in your head. Suddenly you get gestated. You're gestating in front of like world-class mentors. They fly around and you sit and you just kind of like... It's, it's it, it was very, very, very a learning experience really. And, and we sat with... Oren Moverman, who's a great uh, American-Israeli working actor, he did. And he told me that, you know, you're making a movie. It's, it's such a hard thing to do. And, and you want to get as a wider audience as you can. So why not cast an American lead to get in front of more faces? And immediately I said, ah, look, it's uh, my story. Even though I'm an American and I grew up half my life here and, and blah, 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 blah. I said, no, this story is it's, it's an Israeli story. There's no justification for him to be American. Aside from the commercial, which is a valid case. You want to get it, I mean, let's, cast, uh, let's cast a big name. But then, having thought of it, I just realized that a lot of these um, spies are, are, we've met so many spies who are these American Jews that are imported into Israel just because they have... The, the right passport and the right backgrounds and the right etiquette, and they can pass off as foreigners. 
much more than an Israeli who's who's uh, harder to be to pa- to to pass off on a different cover. So suddenly I realized that there's something organic here that can once it's organic and yes there are a lot of American Jews and Canadian Jews and French Jews that are being imported into this very macho society of and we we show that in the film as well like like the Felix and Red and all yep. these all these guys who are like that's what Dove wants to be but he'll never be in the Israeli sabras the natives who grew up in Israel kind of look down on Americans and the American Jews in that sense they're softer they're not they're not, they didn't grow up here like us they're, they don't really speak the language and it's there's a lot of condescension going on especially in the corridors of Mossad in that sense so suddenly Oren's remark about going for a wider commercial angle met something organic in the script and that was a really easy pitch for me as soon as I realized wow this is a story about uh, an Ole Hadash a, a newcomer to Israel who's trying to be part of something and they won't let him in so he decides he'll do whatever it needs to be to be done which is in checkouts case in those case to kind of stop being a boy scout to kind of lie a bit more to kind of muscle his way in get some elbow grease until he does the unthinkable at the end and and I think once I pegged that down and realized that he, he had to be an American he had to be an American in that sense and then we went on another angle and trying to cast the right guy and that was a whole different trip trying to find Josh Pice how long did it take you to find him I'd say around a year and a half or two it's interesting casting process here because you, you've already you have the written word you have the script and And there's so much trust going in, in picking a lead for sure to embody this and just and funny thing here in Israel in, in, in Israel it doesn't work like I can meet the biggest stars as a student already it's a small industry so the biggest movie stars in Israel and TV stars as a student making my group thesis film I can have auditions with them but in America this is the way it went with the casting directors. Morgan Bowling uh, casting agency and they were they were great they just said okay who's your fantasy cast what's your budget what's your wh- what are your dates and everything kind of met that system like eventually it doesn't really matter I mean it's all about and you have agents they're the gatekeepers and once they realize that In Israeli terms we are in low budget film in American terms we are no budget film and it was always going to be a passion project for whoever takes it and they started sending me all these tapes and we just locked eyes on Josh he was uh there was something about his I don't know what did you what did you I think? thought he was a perfect fit man. yeah to be completely honest and blunt and get to the point I thought he was a, a, the best fit that you could have come up with however the process it sounds like it took Well, hell, a year and a half, but he was, uh, and I've seen him, you know, he's been, in, he was in Joker, he's been on a bunch of stuff. He's Ray Donovan? Been, yeah, he, Ray Donovan, yeah, he was on uh, almost a full season of that, all kinds of stuff. He's a good actor, and he's the right, his demeanor, it just was natural, a fit for me. He's such a soul player, man. He was truly a, a trooper. He, he, this guy is just a working actor in a level where you just hit refresh on his IMDb. You constantly see more roles yep. being added up he's always have he always has these great character roles supporting roles but our, our one of our mentors in Israel said look something about Dove forget the the budgetary uh, uh, the, the budget constraints are in it doesn't matter it needs to be organic to the script and it's always it's almost as if you need to find someone who's always been at the wings and he's getting his first lead role. Because this is what was happening to Dove. Dove Makes sense, yeah. yeah Dove has always been the guy in the periphery looking scouting out the door never the guy in the room where it happens and 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 you need someone to step up and actually have that drive and I think Josh he has amazing roles but you I, I was even more excited to learn that this is his first lead uh, lead yeah in, in not only a lead more than a character study film it's a it's actually there's not a shot in without him there's not a shout it's all about him and we knew we need to get someone it was very very hard and I'm like okay we'll do some rehearsals and that does that's not how it works here it was, it was 
No, you give him an offer. He won't read for you. That's the way the system is. That's yeah. the way Hollywood works here. Like, he won't read. <laughs> How do I know if he's the right guy? Well, you can see his, you, you see the, his other work. Um, okay, so I, I saw all, his, all of his work. And every time I see more, I mean, I didn't see all of his work. I just, sure. I, I just had two, three roles. And I'm like, okay, that's him. That's the guy. Did you at least get to meet him before he started? We had a Zoom call. Okay. We had a okay. Zoom call. I was just, I, I was, I stopped in the middle of the road because I, I was coming back from the army. And I was just, it was, he was like, really, it was already in the first Zoom call <laughs> that the DNA of the culture clash happened. Because I was just kind of holding my phone in the middle of the highway, trying to talk to this guy. And, and he's, he's sitting in, there just he's real in, serious. He has his leather binder. Yeah, he's looking course. at the script. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, this is exactly, exactly what this role is about. And um, he took it so seriously. And he learned Hebrew. And, he, uh, and he, we, we gave him some gun, gun practice drills. And, and we even took him on some uh, espionage training. Yeah, you mentioned that on the Q&A. Yeah. What was that like? Where did you take him? You said New Jersey or something? Well, he, I had an operative uh, in New York contact him. Mm -hmm. And he went through a, he, in the Long Island food court somewhere, I forget. You know, uh, when you're ready to meet us, all these signs that we've researched from other spies where he puts a red cap on when he's ready to be approached. And he was just kind of like, he was really <laughs> going with it. He was like, okay, man, I'm, I'm with you. And suddenly he has this... He has a coach telling him, okay, we're going to do some drills and I want to see how you think. I want to see how your creative thinking works and how you operate under pressure. And it was, uh, he was very, very um, matter of fact with him. Josh was completely on board. And so he started, you know, um, you're in an escalator and try to get someone to uh, miss an entire ride of the escalator. Someone was about to board the escalator Find out a way. You have five minutes to think of a plan. Uh, find a, and then come authorize it with me, and then, and then execute it. What did he come up with? So what happened? What would you have come up with? Dude, I don't know. You have I, to stop I, someone from boarding a thirty-second escalator. So I would, so stop somebody from what? Which so, just coming from which direction? I mean, someone is coming. The the someone is is about to to drop on your team. They're doing something at the end of the escalator, and your job is to covertly block them from from descending that escalator. I would come up with something where I'm acting like I'm not engaged with my surroundings. I'm looking at my phone and maybe just sort of uh, be a physical hindrance. And prevent him from uh, getting on the escalator. And for how long? What was so? It's a thirty-second ride. Okay. You need to you need to keep him there for thirty seconds. Bump into him, rather you know, uh, sort of like I'm clueless, maybe a little aggressively. <laughs> okay. So I think, well, I think he might have came up with that initially, but I think um, in these kind of in these kind of interactions. It's also important to, you know, this is the kind of stuff that they taught him. It's also important to also not be remembered as much. Okay. So obviously, if you're to spill hot coffee on them and now and then now they have to, so obviously they'll remember that. Yeah, they'll remember that. But if you drop an object like a pen or something, you know, but definitely if there's hot coffee for sure. <laughs> well, that I, I'd put that in a last resort sure. kind of situation. But I think usually in these cases... Something that is positive interaction is almost better, always better. Oh, yeah, true. So I think what he did was he picked up on that and he realized that, what did he do? He said he grabbed, he went for a female, which is always good if you're a male or a, a, a male if you're a female. So he went for an opposite gender, which is always better. Mm -hmm. And he said that his girlfriend is, is over there in the... And he wants to really, he wants to ask her something, propose or something like that. And then, can you just help me rehearse my, something that okay. really emotionally drove the subject to helping them rather than be, than show um, uh, like Build resistance. Build rapport and have them engaged in, yeah. in the situation. He pulled her into the story mm -hmm. and that was uh, very smart of him. 
And so he had a bunch of these. He had uh, he had a great story about how uh, one of the toughest missions in these things is is they, they point him at a shoe store and like you have five minutes to change some something in the in the display window. Have them change something in the display window. Figure out how you do it. What would you do? I would, uh, for me personally, I would definitely make a rapport with people that work there. And I would come up with something clever like, oh, my, well, if it's a mannequin, female, like I could say, well, my wife is close to that build. I'd love to see what this looks like so I can imagine what she would look like wearing this top or whatever. I, I would use charm without question. For sure. For sure, he did. He did something also nice. He told this the, the guy. He said, "Look, uh, my kid's coming. I'm here to meet my kid for the for, for to buy shoes. I don't have that much money, and it really means the world to me. If you put if you put these beat up vintage shoes here in the display, I know they I know they're they're, they're your lower tier, but this is all I can afford. It would mean so much to him if he sees this is being displayed, and this is what I'm getting him." And you know, it really won the heart of the of the shopkeeper, and, and she's like, "Yeah, of course, it's your kid." Mm -hmm. And he was shrewd in that sense. And and yet, I think what he really had a great time, the most, the, the thing that was most conducive to the process of being dove, is when he actually failed. There was a, there was a mission he failed. I forget which, but he told me about it later, and he and 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 then is is the operative, the coach. He said. Well, you didn't do that in time. I told I told you to do that in at least five minutes, and you walked out after one. You didn't do what we agreed on, and you failed right now. And just that conversation, Josh was telling me, that was a very strong moment for me because I realized the sting of failure. I realized that, whoa, shit, he doesn't appreciate me now. I understand the label that this can snowball into in these shadow organizations, not a lot of outside auditing. It's usually very small people, you know, a small group of people that makes decisions regarding your career. And you suddenly felt, and I'm like, take that notion and multiply it over 35 years career. And that's Dove. Wow. Yeah. Well, he nailed it, man. I, 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 think I thought so. he nailed it. And isn't he one of the producers, executive producers of the film? Didn't he? Um, not, he should be. Okay. <laughs> he, should, he definitely should be. He, he went to Odessa where we shot the film. Mm -hmm. Ukraine, pre-war, but in the midst of the first wave of COVID, November 2020. And he just flew in. He was so careful about not catching anything. And, you know, and, and, and he was doing everything with double masks and holding his breath as he was as he was sipping because he was so careful not to get sick. Mm -hmm. Such a pro. It's eight years in the making. It's the first day of shooting. He gets sick. <laughs> he gets sick. And he it's 5.30 at 5.30 a.m. wake up call. Mm. My sound, my alarm goes off. I'm like, okay, battle mode. Yep. Let's We're do doing this. this the first time. It's time to not up or shut up. We're doing this. Oh yeah. 5.31. You get a text or a I got call. I got a call from a producer, bad news. Josh is positive. Ah, oh, shit. I was, I was like, this is too, I think I burst out laughing. Yeah. I was just, okay, I'm going back to bed. And I immediately fell back, go back, went back to sleep. I'm like, like Noah, Noah in the, in, in the was it Noah or Jonah? One of the prophets, I think that while the, the storm was, was, was going wild, he went to the belly of the boat and just slept. I'm like, okay. This is a big deal. I really hope he makes out of it alive because this was number one, the first wave, you know. And we, for, as far as I'm concerned, he's about to be, uh, uh, you know, he's about to deteriorate and be mm. uh, comatose here in the Ukraine. And um, but but he was just uh, he started ran, running a fever and it was three days in and we were just burning money. We're just burning money. The lenses and the equipment from Kiev and all the crew and the hotel that we have locked in for us. Everything is waiting. And just just a dumpster fire of, of, of cash burning. Like, uh, I think a seventh hundred. Uh, yeah, we burnt 100K just mm -hmm. waiting for him to get back. Damn. 
while trying to recast him. I don't know if he oh, hears shit. this. <laughs> no, I, actually, I, I already confessed. I told him. I told him that he knew. He knew. When he, did he, you tell him? Like how? After he got better. Okay. I'm like, I'm so happy you're ha- this is happening because, no, because look, I, I, I told my producers, we, it took us two years to find this guy. We are not going to find an, a better one in, in, in a week's time. It's not going to happen. No, but you have to understand. And if we come back home without a hard drive, we're there's fucked. No, yeah, like there's no. T- yeah, the movie is very possible that the movie will die on the vine. Mm. You need to come back home with a hard drive of footage, and you need an actor. You're, everybody's here. Everybody's geared up. Find an actor, and suddenly I find myself in this turmoil of of zooming with our option C and D from two years ago, flying them in and they're like, yeah, we'll do it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a character study film being given. To them. I'm like, Mm-mm. you know, at some point I told, I told my producer we had a big fight. I told him, look, it took me eight years to make this. I can wait. It'll take nine years then. I'm not shooting this without Josh. He's the guy. And he, uh, he pulled through and I think it was kind of a miracle. It was kind of a miracle in disguise because SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, yep. um, had us run full-on COVID tests because he's a SAG actor. So the entire crew needed to have COVID tests every three days. When you have COVID tests every three days, you're going to find positives. In a movie set, the last thing you want to do is find positives, especially in the Ukraine where they don't wear masks. They're just kind of like, there are these, when we went to clubs, like after the, the, the order, the, the club owners don't want us to put masks on in bars because it makes people kind of fidgety. You're sick. Why are you putting on a mask? Like, look, there's a global pandemic. I don't want to get sick. I'm in the movie set. And they're like, don't put on. And so, Ukraine is red. It's spiking. And I knew that I'm not going to have a movie if every three days I'm going to lose a focus puller and need to fight someone in from Kiev. There's no makeup artist. And we had genuine concerns that, yeah, I'm, I will do makeup at some point because my makeup artist will be six. But it, after he got better, suddenly we told him, listen, SAG rules are fine, but you're officially recovered. We're not doing tests anymore. So nice. in, in hindsight, I think, I don't know what movie we would have had, and especially in a 14-day budget, which is nothing. For, is that what it was? 14 two, days. Two weeks. You did that. 14 days. Wrapped it in two weeks. Wow. Wrapped it in two weeks. We, had another, we have another reshoot day in New York, the 15th, a year later. But yeah. And it was like, that movie would have been, we, I, it, it was like anything in this kind of project, I think. When you work so hard on on something for so long, a certain karma starts starts collecting throughout the 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 the, the essence and the soul of the project. And we had such a hard time casting Amal, his his counterpart, yeah, the 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 number one target. We I always had this big uh, burly burly uh, yeah. villain, sure, like this Al Qaeda bottle that will kind of tap into Dove's homoerotica and kind of like, and it's going to be, and we cast, when we, we auditioned and so many Muslim actors that as soon as they caught the gay undertones, they're like, no, it's not for me. Um, I don't want to do that. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And, 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 and I'm like, why the fuck is it so hard for me to cast a Palestinian <laughs> into this this street of a role? And we couldn't find it. So a week before flying to Odessa, Khilik, my producer, said, okay, you have to talk to Norman Issa, which is a phenomenal actor in Israel. He's a very, he's a, he's a comedy genius. He's, I love him. But I never saw him as... The, the 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 you know the the, target. Be, the Beirut butcher Gil- right, Gilgamesh right. this is the guy Gilgamesh I love that name yeah and I, and <laughs> it's I, the perfect name for the villain it's so unreal. I never sign as Gilgamesh mm-hmm. but suddenly I'm like okay that's what we have we have Norman and then he read you know he's an Israeli actor so I, I auditioned and he just I just realized that comedy actors they they never miss a beat comedy actors. And he realized that, I'm like, I'm like, I told him, listen, 
Dov is this neuroses-filled Jew. He's, he's <laughs> always like stumbling. He's not comfortable in his own skin. You need to be the exact opposite. You need to be chill. It's, you know, cool. And you just, you're so, you're so content with yourself and what's happening. And you're just, this is what draws him to you. And this is what makes him doubt his loyalties to Musada because he really cares for you. So it's really a bromance, almost a love story between these guys. So a supposed spy and a supposed terrorist meet up in this Turkish hotel. And suddenly I find Norman there giving all these vibes to Josh, which I never would have gotten with these, uh, with these you know, six feet uh, 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 villains, Hollywood villains that I found. And suddenly they exchange, they exchange rings and suddenly on set, I see them bonding. And Josh is like from this really, I'll be in my trailer. I'm going to, yeah, call me when it's ready. <laughs> and Norman is like, where's that Merikaki? Yeah. I want him to come here and uh, come on. And, and suddenly he melted so much of Josh. And I think Josh did a lot of, of they bonded. It was so nice to see life imitating art on the set. And I don't know what kind of movie this would have been without Norman. So... All these things happen, but you know, karma kind of like picked it us, pick, pick, picked this up together. I thought from- it was per- both those guys were perfectly casted. I mean, they, Josh is—he nailed it, man. I think this movie is fantastic. I love it. And you'd mentioned uh, after the screening of Q and A, you know, I was uh, the guy, the American, just boisterously laughing my ass off. I thought, I think it's hysterical. Josh has this cadence and sense of uh, like deadpan humor and then so does uh, Gilgamesh the, and it's just wild and brilliantly written I think it's fantastic I loved it thank you so much yeah man and have you had a chance to get much feedback from people from your past from service military have they so seen that's it? next week okay next week we have our israeli premiere in the cinema south which is a big festival in the in the negev desert and that's going to be a mixed bag that's going to be the the audience is going to be made off of you know family and, and friends from home but mainly people from from you know people from Mossad that i invited after researching with them and other people from my army and the other half of the audience is going to be my neighbors from uh which is a, the village where I, I i raised my family it's a binational uh ideological village in israel the only one of its kind in the world really where where jews and and, and arabs are sitting together in the in the sake of uh mutual living and coexisting so it's going to be an interesting bag to hear all these shadow people and, and hear the lefties uh, kind of <laughs> and see what, is this racist? Is this too funny? Um, Can I laugh at this? Is it risque? I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's an off-kilter movie in that sense. Well, that's what I love about it is there's a little piece of humor for all walks of life, and no matter what your perspective or your, your thoughts are. That's my personal opinion. I'm just fascinated. I've got to ask you without giving away too much, the scenes with the psychedelics, how, how did you come up with that? Because I talk about psych- psychedelics and plant medicine all the time. Sure. Where? What was the premise of that? So there's, just to set, up, set it up for, the, for whoever hasn't watched the film yet, but uh, basically there's a point in the movie where Dove gets closer to Amal and tries to really figure out how he can make him stay an extra night in the hotel because that's like the only thing he has left. They kicked him off the mission. Like, no, no, you need me, you need me. I'll make him stay another night because otherwise they, they can't send a team to take him out. And then they tell him, okay, well, we, we, they, they don't believe in him they can do it, but he finds out, he realizes it's his only chance of making him stay is if he goes on this, uh, on this bender and they meet in the whole. In, they meet in this. They meet on, on the, the roof. rooftop, yep. and then he realizes that for him to stay, he has to. He has to drop acid with him, and and Dove is part of his journey of being opening up, and trying to discover himself. And Amal really being the one that kind of like loses them. Loses them. Yeah. yeah, massages his 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 neuroses. Um, he says, well. I was about to do this with my girlfriend, but you're here, so 
let's do that. And, and Dove, of course, doesn't want to do that at all. And they, and, and they drop acid together and have a hallucinogenic experience with some music involved. I and, loved it. I think it's a perfect scene. I think he nailed it. Uh, I think it's I have to give a lot fantastic. of props here for my VFX crew as well. Okay. Because we, on, on, on such a shoestring budget to create this, it was very important for me to find a way to visualize, I mean, to the essence of what I remember from my psychedelic experiences and try to give something that we haven't seen yet to add to the conversation. I mean, aside from finding an audience and, and getting success with this movie, I think more importantly for me, it was always about trying to add another building block to the art form, even if it's a small one. To do something, innovation for me, and maybe it's, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people think it's, 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 it, it, it's, it compromises the audience. But for me, innovation and originality will always take precedence over a viewing experience. Because I always, it's never, it's never completely mainstream. It always needs to kind of push towards the art house and kind of make you, if, I mean, the, the opening, the first seven minutes of zooming back and forth with all these prologues. There are a lot of decisions in this movie that I think are, are, are not necessarily streamlined and very uh, disjointed. That's what makes it great, though, is how you do the you have dialogue. Great, you have impeccable taste. <laughs> <laughs> it's how you do the dialogue, and when he's being interrogated and asked these questions, instead of it, you have it in, where they're actually immersed in the actual time of yeah. how he's recalling the situation. So again, like you said, that we we knew that he's giving the entire movie from an interrogation room, and yep. we knew that I don't want to go into that trope of flashing back and forth between an interrogation room. We've seen that so many times. So many times. And so it came again from me not wanting to to hash that you know beaten uh, path. And then when it became organic to the script, I'm like, no, the, the interrogator should pop into the into the hotel because I remember the number one thing that we were afraid of in the army wasn't this unseen enemy that we never saw. It was always what our commanders will debrief us on when we get back. So every time I was somewhere, I always thought of, ah, will they approve what I'm doing right now? How, how can I explain this later on? And talking to to Mossad people, we also said, "Look, we 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 are terrified of our HQ." And suddenly, we had an organic reason to have our interrogators pop into the hotel. And it was like that with the acid scene too, because we knew that I want to have a new visual key, and so we made those layers of the background kind of like uh, separating from the image. And 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 my VFX my VFX crew worked tirelessly on that, and I think. It came from uh, it came from my own psychedelic. I had a very bad yeah. night once. Okay, I, I had a we bad, all have anybody these. I know. So all I needed was it was my editor. Also, my, <laughs> my editor was with me, and just like Amal tells him, "Okay, anchor yourself to me, hold me." And so that was something that was really um, I shared with Josh as well, and we really helped him get in the character of of, of tripping out and and. Trying to, I mean, there's always a sense of, in psychedelics, when you seem like you're teetering on the edge of your sanity. Right. Yep. And this can go both ways. This can be a very bad night, or this can be, be a, te yeah, a, te a learning, liberating, and liberating, like eye-opening. Yes. Yeah. So I think Amal, he, he grabs Dove and he says, okay, it's okay for you to embrace your fear. Now let's try to take it to a positive space. And that's exactly what was important for me about that. So I know you're going back to Israel tomorrow, and but we could talk about, in fact, I suggest we do a, a second part because I want to know, I've got so many other questions, but due to time constraints, what can you tell the audience you, in two sentences? Give them the most enticing, not out of my words, your words about the film and why they would should see it. Wow. Um... I think we've taken uh, a very human approach to to an old organization. There's something so 
something so mysterious. And it's an enigma to people an, who, yes. Yeah. And yet, it was very important for me to, for this to be the first authentic film about the spy, the spies in, in Mossad. So I think, I think Checkout, in a way, is a very uh, unique and humane look at the people who are actually behind these things, how vulnerable they get, how corrupt they can get if they're not careful, and how tender we are, regardless of labels and, and be the badass spy or soldier. No, it's just people who want to belong and, 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 and find respect among their peers and among themselves. I think Dove took a dark turn yes. at the end. But I think in that sense, it's a cautionary tale for um, what can happen, what would have happened to me should I have stayed in the system. And what might be happening to Israel right now, by the way. I have to say, we're, uh, there was a big election yesterday for the prime ministry. Yep. Some dark forces are brewing in Israel, as they are worldwide, it seems. And uh, it's very liberating to, to, to make a piece of art that can actually be funded by an Israeli national fund and still go against the... The grain, as I say. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm really proud of... of Still, being a Zionist and, and being very critical and yet very patriotic and saying, okay, this is a patriotic criticism. But again, for, first and foremost, a human story about a spy who uh, thinks he needs more and, and, and all the, the dark turns that he takes. And, um, and it's funny. It and, is. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> we just look for some, some laughter in these oh, things. Yeah. And that being said, I, I do want to do a part two because we can. I've got so many I'd other love things to. that may. My when I was traveling by myself three years ago in South America, I made the best friends from Israel. Really? Yeah, men and women, and just they, the camaraderie that you were talking about. I loved it. They were all fun as hell, smart. This couple is beautiful. His girlfriend's beautiful. She was actually higher ranked in the military. And I loved it. Just kick-ass people. It's, and they love a, to travel and yes, have fun. It's a, weird, it's, a, it's a very weird and fun society. I know. And so they're, they're begging me to come to Israel. So maybe we'll do part two in Israel, dude. <laughs> you'll, be my, you'll be my guest. This I, would, I would love that. You guys should come by. Yeah, for sure. So listen, you've been going hard for eight days, but I can't thank you enough, man. Thank you for thank having you. me. This is great. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, man. Jonathan and I immediately hit it off and we quickly became friends. It's impressive to hear how Checkout came to fruition over eight years and truly Checkout tells a story in a way that I think audiences can appreciate. It will be a pleasure to have Jonathan back on and share a clip of the film when it is scheduled for large scale distribution. We are hopeful that audiences don't have to wait too much longer, but when it is released, I am confident audiences will appreciate the nuances of Checkout, from the way the film conducts interrogations to the minutia of a Mossad agent itemizing his hotel bill. As always, thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Tom Hartridge, and this is Neurons to Nirvana. Nirvana.